CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Right now in Options Action, the titans of tech are doing a whole lot of belt tightening. This as their earnings are right around the corner. We'll drill down on the moves in Microsoft and the growth trade coming up. Plus, Boeing's big run, the aerospace giant, has jumped nearly 50% in the last three months. So ahead of results next week, what is the options play for home gamers? And later, feeling bullish on Beijing, a credit card play you might want to decline. And a look back at a name we said could stream higher. I'm Melissa Lee. This is Options Action, live from the Nasdaq market site on the desk tonight. Mike Coke, Carter Worth, and... Look who's here. Dan Nathan is back. Let's check out some of the names that we've been uh, seeing the most options action on this week. Among them, Tesla, Coinbase, Boeing, Nike, and some other big names making waves. Some ETFs also catching our traders' eyes as well. The ProShares Bitcoin ETF, um, some international, Germany and Japan, for instance, software and home builders also topping the list. But let's drill down first into one of those names, the IGV software ETF. The ETF itself staging a solid 5% comeback over the last month, but Microsoft, its fourth largest holding, lagging that. Carter, what do you make of this? Well, that's right. So one of the big names relative to a group of names, let's look. These are ratio charts. So it's simply relative performance to the IGV. And Microsoft, you can see it here, has been stalling for three, four, five months. It has all the elements of a bullish to bearish reversal. If we take away the moving average and draw trend lines, exact same chart, we have just now broken trend. We're going to get our circles in. And what we have, and there's kind of no way around this, is for the first time in a long time, a break in trend. And now Microsoft's chart itself, still in a downtrend, big move today, but it doesn't really fix what I think is the problem. An underperformer, my bias is to the downside, selling Microsoft. And also uh, selling IGV? Well, IGV is better than QQQ and better than, so in a pairs trade, you want to buy IGV and ah. short QQQ. Uh, IGV in and of itself, more of a pair of twos. Okay. Um, Mike, what do you make of that? Yeah, I, I think what's interesting here, Microsoft is obviously one of the biggest constituents of IGV. The single biggest is actually Salesforce. Other names in the IGV sort of top 20 list would include names like Autodesk. The quick point I would make about that is that when I look at Microsoft EPS, I see real money. When I look at the EPS that gets tossed about in names like Salesforce and Autodesk, once you deal with things like stock-based compensation, those things aren't trading at comparable multiples to Microsoft. Uh, they are actually much, much more expensive. So I find this, this action pretty interesting. There's no question that Microsoft has really been struggling. Take a look at the price action, by the way. They announced layoffs, and you know this, the stock really didn't respond anywhere near as positively to that right away when they first did it as, say, what you got out of Google today, uh, Alphabet, I should say. So I, I think that there's obviously some selling pressure going on here. I mean, fundamentally, I like the company. The valuation doesn't seem um, you know, all that unreasonable, but it's just not getting out of its own way, apparently. 
Yeah, you know, if you look at the options market, it's implying about $11 move in either direction between now and next Friday. They're going to report Tuesday after the close. So that's about a 4.5% move in either direction on a $1.8 trillion market cap company. I think the way Carter has kind of laid out the technicals here, it really does act heavy relative to just its peers and, and the NDX. The NDX is up more than 6%. This thing is flat on the year. They've already had that announcement about the job cuts. And I just got to think that's the first of maybe what is at least going to be another one in this first half of the year when you think about their employee base. So to me, I'd actually be positioning um, for this thing to retest those prior lows here. And uh, again, I think the technicals are too strong. And I just say one last thing on, on the valuation. I mean, you know, there was valuation compression last year. We haven't really seen a meaningful drop in demand, but we're seeing like Azure, we're seeing some of their parts of the business decelerating. I think you probably see that in their guidance when they report Tuesday. All right. Well, another ETF having an even better monthly run, the iShares U.S. Home Construction Fund. But Carter, uh, this one is likely on a different trajectory. Right. So this is something we've been long as a group, and I'm going to go the other way now. It's just a little bit of too much of a good thing. So let's put our lines and arrows in. And what do we know? We are back to a difficult level. I think you falter here when we go back down into the apex, the formation. Take profits, home builders. Dan? Yeah, you know, we talked about this earlier in the week on Fast Money. Even though the 10-year U.S. Treasury is coming in, I'm not so sure. And, and, and again, 30-year fixed has come in from over 7% to about 6%. I'm not sure that one comes in so quickly. So to me, um, we saw that huge surge in, in mortgage applications when you saw the rate come in. I, I'm with Carter here on the technicals here, and I think it's kind of a crowded trade to the long side here. So I'd expect to move back to that uptrend. Mike? Yeah, I mean, I, clearly when we did see that slight move down in the 30-year uh, mortgage rates, there was clearly a lot of pent-up demand. Quick point I would make, DR Horton, that's the largest constituent of ITB. And the thing does look incredibly cheap if you're taking a look at what the street is forecasting for next year's earnings. But I would just offer a little bit of caution on that. Consider that uh, you're dealing with uh, net income estimates for a full year next year that are double what the company earned in 2019. That seems pretty hard to achieve when we're in a very different environment. We're in a different environment just looking forward economically. We're in a different rate environment. Uh, I have a feeling that some of those estimates in the home builders are going to come in. Uh, Boeing, meantime, we're taking a look at this one, too. Slated to report results next Wednesday. It's been on quite a run of late, up nearly 50 percent in the last three months. Carter, how does this one look? Quite a run indeed. In fact, it's low of 115. It closed at 215, almost a double off the low. And it's quite often the same circumstance. We want to find levels, identify them. In this case, we've blown out through the top of this well-defined downtrend. But what often happens is after blowing out, you check back before ultimately going again. So I want to fade Boeing here, making the bet that its 100% advance is too far too fast. Yeah. Mike, your take on BA. Yeah, I mean, this is a situation, I think, uh, you know, they actually just announced that uh, they're going to be developing some new single aisle aircraft, probably something they should have done before uh, deciding that they were going to use software and larger engines on the 737 to develop the MAX aircraft. And obviously, they still have a little uh, bit of trouble with that. But uh, this is a company that is in a space that ultimately is going to be growing. And I think once they put some of these troubles behind them, uh, this is one of the names you're going to want to own. All right, and let's talk Nike here. Since reporting results about a month ago, Nike's been on a tear of more than 20%. Is this another too far, too fast, Carter? I think tear is a good word. Um, almost 50% off its low, and we can draw the lines, but it's always quite so precise, and that's the beauty of charts. The level is precise. What does it do? It breaks hard, and now it's recovered equally impressively back to where 
a very difficult level. I think that warrants a red arrow down. I want to fade this move. Just too much of a good thing. Mike, how do you want to trade this? Yeah, I mean, this was a name that we certainly liked when it was 85 bucks because it was actually getting to be quite a good value. They're executing exceptionally well, and they have basically their pro- a product that is a Veblen good, it would seem, at least based the way my teenagers seem to like the shoes that they sell. That said, at 125 bucks, it doesn't present quite the same value. And I do think we're just in general on discretionary spending. We've seen actually some of the results that we've heard indicating that there's going to be a little bit of pressure there. So I think that if you're in the name, you could you know, sell it or you could conti- possibly look to hedge. I was looking just very simply at a short-term put spread, the 125, 115. That would give you protection down about 8%. And look, you're only going to be spending about two and a quarter to put that thing on. So we're talking about 2% of the current stock price, slightly less than that actually. And I think there's a very good chance that it's going to make a move of that magnitude or larger over the course of the next six weeks or so. Dan, what do you think? You know, Carter says it all the time. Gaps are meant to be filled. And that (laughs) gap is a fat one from December. And then it's just been a runaway um, breakout. So I like the fact that Mike's using a $10 wide. It's less than a quarter of the width of the spread here. And I think the risk reward is really um, pretty reasonable. And then if you line that up with a probably broader market theme, Carter, I've been looking at your charts and we're charting. I mean, you think we get rejected here. We've had that move to uh, the downtrend, Mm -hmm. to the 200-day moving average. And I think at some point, if you're an investor who actually bought this thing pretty well, maybe as a trade, you probably look to take some profits here. So to me, I like Mike's thesis also tying it into what consumer discretionary, what we're going to see, especially as we see more of these uh, job cuts, you know, kind of mount over the next few months. But we've got a reopening in China, Mike, which may actually help the stock. Yeah, uh, I I mean, that's definitely true. And actually, I think we're going to be talking uh, pretty soon about some potential net beneficiaries of that reopening. But the thing is, they have moved increasingly to sort of online sales. I'm not 100 percent sure how much that's going to, you know, basically uh, give them a boost at this point. I mean, we've seen pretty steady um, performance out of the company and and a good migration to digital. I think all of that's really good. Uh, The thing is that there's a lot of good news priced into it now at 30 times. Yep. Well, for everything Options Action, check out our website and our newsletter. There's much more Options Action right after this. As tech and banks cut more jobs, could that cut into luxury spending? Dan Nathan is looking expressly at American Express. Find out how he's hedging the high-end card company with options. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. 
Welcome back to Options Action. Google announcing today it is laying off about 12,000 people. This after Amazon and Microsoft cut a combined 28,000 jobs. Dan here thinks high salary layoffs could dent luxury spending, and he's taking out some credit insurance in the form of options, Dan. Yeah, so let's look at American Express. And this is a company I like. I got to tell you, from a valuation standpoint, it makes sense. I know Mike's going to say the same thing. Carter's probably going to say, don't like the chart here. It looks like a lot of those charts that's kind of banging up against that downtrend that's been in place um, for the last year. That got me thinking about this one in front of their earnings that are going to come next week. The implied move in the options market is about 4% um, in either direction. So when you think about these layoffs, there's a couple things to think about. A lot of the job cuts that we're seeing right now are like kind of executive level jobs, right? So you might see that in higher end consumer discretionary. That's where American Express kind of lives. But you also see them in corporate travel and, and, and a lot of stuff like that. So you might see some sort of headwinds to their 2023 um, guidance. So when I think about it from a trading perspective, would I be buying this stock right here? No, for a whole host of reasons here. So I want to look at a put spread. I want to define my risk. I want to look to February expiration and capture this um, earnings event. So today when the stock was trading about 151 and a half, I could buy the February 150, 130 put spread, paying about $4 for that, buying one of the February 150 puts at about four and a half bucks and selling one of the way downside Feb 130 puts at about 50 cents at $4 is my max risk. I break even down at 146 and I have gains of up to $16 between 146 and 130. I have a loss of up to $4 between 146 and 150 with a max loss above that on February expiration. I just like the risk reward here. I'm risking a little little less than two and a half percent of the stock price. I have a break even a little less than three and a half percent. And if the stock is down in a little less than a month, 10 percent or so, I could make, um, you know, or I could make about 10 percent of the stock price here again. That 130, why am I selling that way downside put? Well, it's just kind of going to mitigate some of that vol crush after earnings next week. And the likelihood of it being down at 130 is not particularly great. But on a miss and a guide lower, you probably have this stock down 10 bucks. Mike, what do you think of this trade? Yeah, I mean, he was saying it basically. I mean, American Express, unlike their competitors, is all about discretionary spending. Number one, because of their demographic, it's less of a credit issue because they have probably the most credit worthy, uh, you know, people in their in their universe. But the fact is, they don't get any tailwind when they get uh, favorable interest rate hikes, for example, which you can see for other lenders in the consumer finance space. It's not as much of a tailwind for these guys. So it's all about discretionary spending. If you're about discretionary spending, then you'd probably be a buyer at these valuations. But the thing is, I don't think that the discretionary spending numbers we're going to be seeing in the near future are going up. I think they're actually going to weaken. I mean, the group is heavy, right? So consumer finance stocks. And while they're each a bit different, Capital One, Discover, American Express and others, this is an instance of poor relative strength. If you look at the group relative to the XLF, but also Amex in and of itself, I think it's the kind of thing where you're either stuck going sideways or something unhappy happens. But there's very little prospects of a big advance. What's the one caveat that you have about this trade? Valuation. And then also, you know, you just mentioned Discover and COF. Those stocks gapped down and they did pretty good mm -hmm. by the end of the day. It seems like investors kind of want to buy these. They want to kind of look past the, that, that kind of narrative that maybe has become consensus here. But again, this is a trade. I'm defining my risk. Two and a half percent of the stock price. I like the risk reward. All right. Well, the China reopening causing a big rally. Check out shares of the K-Web Chinese Internet ETF. The outsized gains also generating unusually large options volumes. A major part of that rally, JD.com, set to report quarterly results in two weeks' time. Mike, what's your trade here to take advantage of everything? Yeah, so this is uh, an interesting situation, of course. So uh, here we have um, a, a, obviously a company that's going to benefit from the reopening. This is not an expensive stock. It's trading about 22 times 
you know, you were talking about the tailwind of a reopening for a company, let's say like uh, Nike, for example, which gets 16 percent of their revenues from China. This obviously has significantly greater exposure and is trading at a big discount. This company also has a very strong balance sheet, big net cash position. Uh, of course, we have seen a big run up in these companies already. And of course, that volatility means that the options are expensive, although somewhat justifiably so. I wouldn't encourage someone necessarily to run in and purchase the stock after the kinds of moves that we've seen. We do own the stock. But if you are interested in trying to make a bullish bet, I think the right way to play it, look out to March. You're going to capture these upcoming earnings by the 65 strike calls. That's the one I was looking at. Uh, those cost about three bucks. Uh, the idea here is that if you start to get a little bit of a move to the upside, you can look to roll this into a spread. You might even get an opportunity to roll it into a, a diagonal spread, if you like, after the earnings come out. Generally, though, I don't like being short options into something like earnings, and especially where we have a lot of sort of news-driven stuff going on right now. So I think an outright call is a way to basically mitigate the amount of capital you're going to risk on this and make an upside bet. What do you think of this trade, Dan? Yeah, I like it. You know, we have that saying here, don't fight the Fed here in the U.S. I guess you don't fight the CCP either. You know, they were they were fighting all their big tech giants, and yeah. we saw what happened to those companies over the last couple of years, and it seems like they've come back um, to a level here. And again, when you pair that with the Chinese reopening and the Chinese consumer out there, again, this trade makes sense. I'd just say this, and, you know, again, we are in a kind of low vol environment, despite the fact we've seen a lot of movements. We have a VIX that was trading, what, 18 um, the other day. If this thing just continues to go sideways, it seems to be basing a little bit, you're just going to want to define your losses on this. Like, you're defining your risk by buying that call, but you also want to say to yourself, what is my mental stop? Where would I cut this trade if I don't have that movement to the upside that's going to justify owning that premium? So to me, I usually like to use a mental stop about 50% of the premium that I paid, and that would be a guide whether this trade is working out for me in a few weeks or not. I mean, the recovery in Chinese stocks and JD, I mean, a V. A V. A, a big rest. Last 10 sessions, KWB dead flat. But in this case, JD dipped. In fact, I think we have a chart. Do you know I brought a chart with me? Can you imagine that? <laughs> wow. I mean, why would I do that? Like, it's nuts. A it's big nuts. keyboard and a chart. So right. take a look at that. those annotations. That's what my eye sees. As opposed to the KWB, which has gone sideways after they all advance on the 4th of January. This is dip 12%. I like the dip. It's a viable dip. I think you go after it. Um, Mike, is your view on JD the same as your view of, of, K, KW, uh, of KWeb? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of like JD a, a little bit better, I think, than uh, KWeb. I will say, though, that we've seen a lot of bullish activity in FXI, in the A shares, in mm -hmm. KWeb in prior weeks, but those latter two, we saw a lot of activity this week. Uh, you know, we don't buy foreign ETFs for our fund, we do buy uh, single stocks, though, in the form of uh, ADRs and so on, and JD is one of the ones that we own. All right. Up next, a look back. Triple threat updates on three past trades and how to manage those names going forward. Options actions back in two. Welcome back to Options Action. Time for some updates on past trades. First up, Mike's PNG trade from last week. Since then, PNG has dropped about 5%, putting that trade in the green. So, Mike, what are you doing now? Yeah, I mean, this is the kind of move we were targeting precisely. We had the catalyst that's come and went. And actually, there's not that much profit left potentially in the trade now. So we just take profits happily. All right. Let's get to the airlines here. Dan over here laying out a trade on the Jets ETF just a few days back on Fast Money. So, Dan. 
Yeah, now. this one was interesting. We had Scott Kirby, the CEO of United, on the night before, and that stock, you know, gapped up the next day on big uh, earnings guidance there, and then reversed and closed down 8% from its highs. So I took a look at the Jets. Uh, United is obviously a big component of that, and I wanted to put a put spread on. I was looking at February expiration. It was $2 wide. cost about $0.45. Cents. So now the ETF is up just a little bit in the last few days, and that value of that put spread has uh, lost a few cents here. So I'm okay here. This is one I even put on right here. And I also saw a big trade in the options market the next day in February. It was a $2 wide, different strikes, 1917. So somebody else who watches options action liked the trade idea. Got the too. idea. What do you think? I mean, it's a classic instance of the market being ahead of the facts, right? This ET is up 25%. The earnings all come out. And since the earnings have come out, it hasn't moved, which is to say it was already done. It was already priced in. Yeah. Uh, let's move on ourselves. Mike laid out a trade on Netflix last week. That stock is up about 3% since then, putting that trade in the green. So, Mike, what do you do now? Yeah, we had a diagonal on. We own the uh, March 350s and we're short the uh, Jans, actually, the 370s, which expired today. So we collected all the premium there, up about 4 bucks on a $15 outlay. But now you can actually sell the Feb 350s for just over $12. Net, net, you're going to be in the trade in that calendar spread, effectively, for a little bit less than 3 bucks. So we're really going to be playing with house money. Uh, that's basically sort of expecting the stock to drift a little bit higher, but uh, maybe not have the kind of move that we saw uh, today, for example. All right. Up next, uh, next, your tweets and the final call. Welcome back to Options Action. Time for some tweets. Our first fan asks, Johnson & Johnson, April 21st, 165 strike calls. Stock has formed a golden cross and has what looks like support around 165 based on the one-year chart. What are your thoughts on uh, What's known as Johnny John in some circles. Yeah, that's Dan. what we call it, right? So the stock's nearly 169, and those uh, April uh, 165 calls are about eight bucks here. So it's you know almost four dollars in the money. I mean that's a reasonable way to play it. But here's also a cheap stock that's come in pretty hard here. I think expectations for earnings and sales are pretty reasonable. And this might be one where you actually maybe buy the stock and you override it and you sell a call up near that kind of 180 level, and you just take in a little of that premium and you own that stock, you get a 2.7 percent dividend. What the heck? Uh, Mike, your quick thoughts. And I think actually the first time I ever heard Johnny John was from you, Mike Co. <laughs> yeah, that's what we used to uh, call it down in the pits when uh, that's where we used to trade options contracts. Look, I mean, this is a steady as you go kind of a staples thing, which, by the way, I don't think is a terrible place uh, to be right now. I think, uh, you know, people have sort of we've seen a lot of uh, good things coming out of some of these stocks that are more on the discretionary side. As I said, I'm not that bullish in that area, so I'd probably rather be in a name like this. Look, you want short duration equity. This one pays a dividend, so I like it. Here's a quickie. Do you like Hecla Mining as a gold play, Carter? It's an excellent play. It's doubled the performance of the GDX over the past six months. Stick with it. All right. It is time now for the final call. Carter Braxtonworth. Well, speaking of Hecla, final call. Gold and silver. GDX, GLD, SLV. Dan Nathan. Yeah, that uh, AXP. If you're looking for a defined risk short play, that's how to do it. Yes. Professor Coe. Nike, it's a great company, but the valuation doesn't look as great anymore. So I would like to buy a put spread on it, short-term pullback. By the way, Dan, it's great to get the band back together. We yeah, should do it again more often. That was fun. That does it for us here on Options Action. We will be back here next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Meantime, don't go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. 
CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.